edition of With All Due Respect. Strong opinions on politics, life, and entertainment. Welcome to another edition of With All Due Respect, the podcast that believes, you know, grocery store music is actually pretty good. Greetings, everybody. I'm Andrew Halcrow. I'm your host for this program. With me, as always, is Mr. Van Sanders. Mr. Sanders, how are you this fine episode? I'm doing all right, man. You you mentioned grocery store music, though, and I do remember talking to you about this once. Uh, it's not great, but it's still very nostalgic. They, like, play on repeat these these corny songs from like two or three decades ago and it brings back memories i guess in that regard it's fun yes it might be a generational thing but i'm totally cool with it i was in the produce section last week and suddenly just stopped dead in my tracks and said to myself is that cheap tricks dream police that is awesome so anyways what's happening at the abu Dhabi laboratory this week yeah, I, I like that, the Abo Dabo Lab. Um, finalizing that logo for Bailey Hill Mill, Flower Mill, and Palmer. And I'm also uh, working with uh, the same guy I did the bass, the giant bass RV. Um, he has a client, this, this super nice kid, who wants a full six to seven foot statue of a really buff guy with a buffalo head holding a harmonica, like a John Henry Buffalo harmonica guy. He, he loves buffaloes, and he, like, lives for them. So um, kind of a fun pro bono project to help make somebody feel really good. Anyway, that's it. Super random. Always glad to hear what's happening in the laboratory of branding and creativity. As always, I would also like to thank the Anchorage Daily News for hosting this podcast on their platform and remind listeners that the very strong opinions you hear on this podcast are mine and mine alone and in no way, shape, or form represent the views or opinions of the Anchorage Daily News or their employees. In addition, I'd like to thank the listeners of this podcast. Even though this is only our fifth episode, our downloading stats show that we are already in the top 5% of all podcasts on the Buzzsprout's platform. And that doesn't happen without you, our listeners. So thank you. Today on With All Due Respect, we talk permanent fund dividend, we talk the economy, and in our closing segment, we're going to talk about vision and ponder out loud what happened to Alaska's true visionaries. But first, let's talk politics. Politics. And now, for some politics. This week, the state Senate, by a vote of 12 to 8, approved a $2,300 permanent dividend check for Alaskans. This proposal, if adopted, will overdraw the fund, gut the dividend program, and leave Alaskans with a crippling future tax burden that will kill the economy. In order to understand this, we need a history lesson. A history lesson. 
1976, voters created the Permanent Fund in order to put aside money for a rainy day. It was widely acknowledged that oil, which is a declining non-renewable resource, would not continue to be able to pay the costs of state government in the future. In fact, originally, the estimate was Prudhoe Bay would be dry within 30 years. Thankfully, we're still pumping oil. Years later, when the state was burning through billions of oil dollars every year, Governor Jay Hammond had an idea. His first idea of creating a stock dividend program based on the length of residency was ruled unconstitutional. This paved the way for the modern dividend program where everyone gets the same amount and at the same time they implemented the dividend program, they repealed the state income tax. That meant the state of Alaska was sending out millions every year without collecting any money for state services. Now, a couple of facts about the dividend. The dividend is not in the Constitution, and it is not compensation for the fact individuals don't have a subsurface mineral rights in Alaska. The dividend was purely a love child between too much oil money and best intentions. Nothing more, nothing less. The first dividend check was distributed in 1983. It was $1,000. I was a freshman in college, a freshman with $1,000 in his pocket. Salem, Oregon was never the same. Since 1983, if you've received every dividend, you have received over $46,000 in dividends. $46,000 in free cash. We've raised entire generations that have known nothing more than a big check every fall. Like magic, it just appears in your mailbox every October. And during that same time, we haven't paid one dime in state taxes to support state services. For the last four decades, we have been giving the proverbial free lunch. However, we all know there's no such thing as a free lunch. Today, the state has burned through a savings account and now are on the verge of burning through the last savings account that generates the dividend. By paying a $2,300 dividend, the legislature will be bankrupting the state's future and decimating the economy. Why? Because when the money in the earnings reserve is gone, there will be no dividend in the future. And Alaskans will be left with a budget deficit in the billions instead of the hundreds of millions it is now. A $2,300 dividend payout would overdraw the fund and increase the long-term tax consequences of both private Alaskans and businesses. This attempt to pay out $2,300 is the worst type of purely political behavior that will clearly put the future of Alaska at risk. This is an attempt to buy votes at the risk of the future of Alaska and its economy, period. Today, if you listen to the voices that actually understand how this will devastate Alaska in the future, they are the lawmakers whose real job is managing money. There are only two voices in the state Senate you should be listening to on this dividend proposal. The first is Senator Bert Stedman from Sitka. By the way, podcast loves Sitka. And Senator Natasha Von Imhoff from Anchorage. Stedman's a financial advisor. His full-time job is to protect his clients' money. And that's what he's trying to do for Alaskans with his opposition to the $2,300 payout. Von Imhoff has spent a lifetime in the banking and finance industry. And her grandfather, Elmer Rasmussen, was actually the first chairman of the board of the Alaska Permanent Fund. In fact, it was Elmer Rasmussen who wrote in the early 80s that the biggest threat to the value of the fund was inflation. He wrote that, quote unquote, inflation will come like a thief in the night and steal the value of the fund. But 40 years later, the thief isn't coming in the middle of the night. This is a full frontal assault on the value of the fund in broad daylight being broadcasted on television. One of the senators who voted for the $2,300 dividend was my state senator, Mia Costello. I mean, with all due respect, Senator, how the hell did you spend four years at Harvard and still not learn basic math? I mean, Senator Von Imhoff went to Harvard. She seems to grasp the significance of this poorly thought out policy. So how is it you have no clue? 
You have a clue. But your weakness and lack of vision as my legislator, who's contributed much of nothing while you've been in Juno, combined with your desire to pander for votes, is going to put our neighbors, our city, and their future at risk. From an economic standpoint, this doesn't make any sense as well. A recent study shows that little job growth occurs when larger dividends have been distributed. While some say it will boost the economy, there is no proof that it will boost employment. The proposal to send out $2,300 dividend checks is a cynical ploy to buy votes. It steps on the gas pedal and heads us toward the cliff like Thelma and Louise. Look, I know a lot of people say, it's my money. But seriously, if it's your money, then whose education system is it? Whose roads, courts, troopers, prisons, and university is it? If you say it's your money, who takes responsibility for all of the services that you've received for free the last four decades and that are critical to maintaining a civilized society? I mean, seriously, when you pick up your copy of the Anchorage Daily News in the morning and read about a big court case, you don't pay for that. When you see a state trooper driving down the road, you aren't paying for his salary, training, equipment. For the last 40 years, oil has been funding over 90% of the state budget. Unfortunately, Alaska's oil production has been declining, and in 2020, Alaska's oil production was at its lowest output since 1976. And 1976 was the first year oil flowed through the pipeline. The permanent fund was designed to be permanent. The dividend was designed to be permanent, according to Jay Hammond himself. Hammond's goal in the dividend program was to make Alaskans the guardian of the legislature. Hammond believed that if you gave Alaskans a stake in the state, they'd provide a check to keep an eye on state government and spending. The problem, as Hammond began to see it, was that Alaskans weren't concerned about the legislature. They were only concerned about the check they received every year. Hammond often bristled when he heard lawmakers talk about economic development without being honest. Jay always used to tell me, look, I'm supportive of of resource development. It's what drives the state. But we have to recognize that a new mine or a new oil field brings people to Alaska. These people will need roads, schools, police, courts, all of the services that state government provides. But if they're not paying for these services, if they're not contributing in some way, the state is faced with increasing demand for services and no way to pay for them. This is the reality we are living today. The dividend was never designed to be an ATM machine for politicians trying to buy votes at the expense of Alaska's future. But here we are. If the legislature approves a $2,300 dividend, they will be overdrawing the account, putting the dividend program and the state's economy at risk, all while creating an unsustainable revenue gap in the coming years. This is what I've never understood about the business community and their continued support for these conservative lawmakers who are simply pushing their industries into the crosshairs. Does anyone in the private sector, including the oil industry, think these same politicians you've been funding for years will think twice about reaching into the only deep pockets in the state, yours, when the money runs out? Industry will be a much more palatable target for increased taxes than individuals. In 2015, I sat in a conference room at the Atwood Building, where then-Governor Bill Walker told a group of the leading captains of Alaska industry that he was going to try and solve the dividend and budget problem. He tried. He cut the budget 44% and went along with the legislature to limit the draw to protect the fund. In return, he lost to a challenger whose primary campaign promise was to keep stuffing free cash in your pockets. In return, most of these captains of industry then lined up behind the challenger. These business leaders were successfully sacrificed the need for a fiscal solution to a governor whose dividend proposal will decimate Alaska's ability to fund the dividend and pay for government while forcing crippling taxes on those same business leaders. 
Look, the solution to Alaska's fiscal problem is the same as it's been for 20 years. You need four components. You need a broad-based tax, so everybody pays for the services they receive. You need to use a portion of permanent fund earnings because the gap is too big. You need to aggressively grow the economy, promote resource development, and invest in your communities to create a livable way of life. But more importantly, you do need to manage the increase in the cost of government. That's the best solution. Now, you can throw in taxes on business or any other revenue source, but Alaskans have to start contributing something to the cost of government. A $2,300 dividend is financial suicide. So please, be careful what you wish for. And now, let's talk about life. Let's talk about life. Let's talk life. Let's talk your life and the economy. Over the last year, I have had the incredible privilege of viewing the state's economy from three different angles. In the last year, I've been the executive director of the Anchorage Community Development Authority, where I dealt with outside investors, developers, and bankers. I've also been chairman of the board of the Great Northern Cannabis Company, Alaska's largest vertically integrated cannabis company that's allowed me to look at retail trends and the strength of the local economy. And finally, I've been chairman of my family's 65-year-old business, Avis Alaska, which is one of the oldest largest and most successful family-owned businesses in Alaska. This has given me insight into the statewide tourism industry, as well as peek into the local economies in the 10 different Alaskan cities my company operates in. And what I see is Alaska's economy today is buffeted by federal stimulus with no anchored foundation beyond that. I see an out-migration accelerating. Alaska is losing 35 to 54-year-old professionals with kids in health insurance. And I see a state that's not investing in itself. So in order to put my view to the test, I reached out to University of Alaska Anchorage Associate Economics Professor Musin Gutabi to talk about the economy. And the result was we've created a new segment on With All Due Respect called A Moment with Professor Musin. And now, A Moment with Professor Musin Gutabi. I asked Professor Musin three questions on the current state of the economy and asked him to break it down so we all can understand it. The first question was about organic growth in the economy, which are basically the roots of a healthy economy. My question to Professor Musin was, how do you define growth? Here's his answer. For private companies, we typically think of growth as stemming from a company expanding its own operations as opposed to doing mergers and acquisitions. When I think about organic growth at the state level, I think about companies that are currently in Alaska expanding their operations and growing. Employment numbers clearly show that is not the case, as we have experienced considerable losses in most of the basic sectors. Now, certainly reopening the economy is going to help. But again, the concern is, is that we are living off this federal stimulus money and there is no organic growth in the economy. The second question I asked was, how does the lack of organic growth apply to the current economic situation? Here's his response. As you know, the decline in oil prices resulted from a significant decline in economic activity. The state lost more than 11,000 jobs between 2015 and 2018 and had very modest growth in 2019. Now, I know Governor Dunleavy likes to talk about this raging economy before the pandemic hit, but the statistics are directly opposite. The economy grew just 0.2% before the pandemic hit. It was anemic. In addition, the low unemployment rates that we saw in Alaska was because we've hemorrhaged so many workers leaving the state. As a result of the pandemic, we are now in an even bigger hole, which raises the question about where the growth will be coming from in the next few years. The second question was, 
combined with the continued outmigration, what does that mean to the economy? Professor Moussine responded, in addition to the economic decline, there has been budget uncertainty, which makes investment from both a personal and business standpoint difficult. I will attest to this. I heard this constantly from outside investors. Why would we want to invest in your state? You don't have a functioning budget. You don't have a functioning legislature. What risk is my company if I invest in your city? What risk is my company facing in five, 10 years? The result has been the rest of the country had been growing much faster than Alaska pre-pandemic, which significantly affected in-migration. This decline in in-migration affects Alaska's attractiveness as a potential business destination, and it makes recruiting more challenging. It is potentially difficult cycle to break because areas with few jobs have difficulty attracting workers, and firms don't want to move to areas with few workers. The final question for Professor Moussin was this. Since you explained there is no organic growth in the economy currently, and you mentioned it was critical for us to use this federal stimulus money in the most targeted way possible, what would you consider appropriate? Target direct payments to individuals, as well as using federal money to leverage private investments through private-public partnerships? Here's his answer. I think a means-tested approach to direct individual payments makes a lot of sense to me because lower-income individuals are more likely to have lost their jobs, and they are also more likely to spend these payments. On the second point, I think allocating some of the dollars towards the recovery through these private-public partnerships is certainly conducive to addressing not only the short-term needs, but also medium and long-term concerns. Perhaps different than what I suggested, but something as simple could be a real boost to speeding up the recovery and attaching workers to employers is by providing grants for businesses, for retraining. So what does this all mean? It means that in the next few months, the federal money that is injected into the economy is going to be the wave we have to ride for a while. Until such time as the state solves its fiscal problems and can provide to local and outside investors, the economy is anchored in something other than federal pass-through funds. We're in for a very long recovery period. If a $2,300 dividend is distributed, it will not only fail to fix the underlying problems of our current economy, but it's going to hasten the demise of the dividend and leave Alaskans with an economy that is not anchored in a state that is looking for onerous taxes. All right, before we close, and look, I, I know I've promised to keep it under 15 minutes, but this is an important conversation. I want to spend another two or three minutes talking about vision or the lack thereof. One of the many things I am so grateful for growing up in Alaska is that I've been able to visit with some of the greatest visionary minds in the history of Alaska. I used to have coffee with Jay Hammond regularly at Cafe del Mundo when I left the legislature. I had the opportunity to sit several times with Wally Hickel in his office and talk about politics, vision, and the future of the state. Vision is what we are missing in this state. The lack of grand ideas, the lack of a true leader charging into the future with a focus on building Alaskans, not handing out free cash. Hammond, Hickel, these guys had vision. 30 years ago when Hickel was governor, he mused out loud about a water pipeline to California. It doesn't seem so crazy today. However, we keep electing people who lack vision and quite frankly, people who surround themselves with others who lack vision. The state of the state speech for any governor is a time to share your vision for the future of the state. In Governor Dunleavy's recent state of the state, he mentioned his administration was going to pursue attracting the pharmaceutical industry in Alaska. However, after the speech, when a reporter asked for details, the response was, and I quote, no details were given and no timeline to when those details will be available. Now, 
how in the hell do you stand up in front of a statewide audience and promote something that is simply unbelievable? Under Dunleavy, Alaska is dismantling its university system, is suffering an outmigration of professionals, and the state is a few years away from passing the collection plate. Why would a pharmaceutical company relocate to Alaska when we have a governor whose top priority is to send out free cash rather than invest in communities he hopes to attract major industries to? Ladies and gentlemen, vision is dead. It's been replaced by shallow populism. I mean, how hard is it to realize that the Alaska Marine Highway System needs to boost passenger revenues? The southeast part of Alaska needs both ferry service and a more vibrant year-round tourism market. So why aren't we having the vision about legalizing gambling on state-owned vessels? Why aren't we talking about bringing new money into the economy, providing marine access to coastal communities, all while creating a new tourism market that would help mitigate the cold, hard reality that very few tourists want to come to Alaska in the winter? We lack vision as a state. We lack true leadership in this state. So my question to you, ladies and gentlemen, who is going to be Alaska's next Jay Hammond or Walter Hickel? We are all waiting. There is the music, ladies and gentlemen, which means our time is up. Van, how about throwing us those website details? Thanks, Andrew. Yeah, if you visit abodabobrand.com, that's A-B-O-D-A-B-O-B-R-A-N-D.com, you can see a little bit more about what I do and uh, touch base with me. All right, that's our time, ladies and gentlemen, and we appreciate yours. Have a great week.